Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday where we're talking about the urgency meter with one of my fellow podcast brethren, Dan Hanzus, from the Around the NFL podcast. Before we get to that, though, I got to make sure you guys know about my first draft pick, Max.com. Anything you want. If it's comedies like Friends or South Park, dramas like Succession, which Jack is really into, even some of the stuff for the movies, the kids stuff, like Jack's watching Harry Potter with his girlfriend, they got everything you want. Max is the streaming destination that has the best of entertainment for whatever mood I'm in, Jackson, you're in, anytime. Plans are as little as $9.99 a month. Max, the one to watch. Subscription required. Visit max.com. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. So I think this might be the first time I've had this guy on the show. I might be mistaken. Hopefully it's not the first time. I've been doing this so long at this point. But this guy is one of the OGs in the podcast industry <laughs> as well, who I saw recently got a, uh, a new contract, which is very well-deserved. You can check <laughs> him out on social media, at Dan Hanges, and he is the host, like the host host, not just one of the guys on the show, like the host host of the Around the NFL podcast. Does a bunch of other stuff, by the way, for NFL Network, NFL.com. I want to actually get into his urgency meter which he just posted. But Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. What's up, Ross? And yeah, it's funny you bring up the that designation host, host, host. I, I waded into murky waters with my uh, colleagues, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal, by saying that I was the host of the show. And then they went like, well, if we're not co-hosts, then what are we? Your cohorts? Are we just the sidekicks? And I didn't really have an answer for them. So it just was a, a tense few minutes of podcasting that particular day. Any help I would appreciate from you or your audience. <laughs> how long um, How long have you guys been doing it now? Uh, we've been doing it uh, since 2013. So we're going into our 11th season. Um, and, you know, it's been a great ride. Of course, the great uh, late Chris Wessling uh, was, is still with us uh, in, in our hearts. But he, he was along with us for 
uh, eight of those years as well. So uh, we've been going at it for a long time. And Ross, I think another thing in the in the podcast game, I can't remember if I've been on your show. I know you've been on our show. We all do so many episodes. It becomes a blur after a while. But it, I, I, whenever we see each other, it's always great to catch up and talk shop and football and all that. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been on your show, but I remember a couple t- a couple years in a row I was out in LA. I think I came on in person because I was I was in LA. I think maybe I did your show and Damashek's show. Um, <laughs> I used to go out there because that's where my podcast agency um, was was located. So I would do kind of a a once a year head out there. Just curious before I get into some of this other football stuff, Dan, what would you say is the biggest difference? From your standpoint, podcasting in 2023 versus 2013? I would say uh, in terms of how many podcasts are out there. And for me, when we started in 2013, and and I know you've been at it for a long time too, Ross, you know, there was obviously a market, uh, but not to this extent. And I think the other thing you're seeing now compared to back then is, players want a piece of it too and uh you you see so many uh player podcasts uh talking football or really whatever sport they play and that really wasn't happening for the most part at all in 2013 so you're seeing uh that side of the the sport wanting a piece of the pie as well they that's the everybody has a podcast and it's kind of true i think literally everyone in the universe now has a podcast um i think the biggest difference i mean both of the things you noted for sure. I think what jumps out to me is probably the video element. Mm. You know, I, w- I was late to the video side of things, primarily because of how I was connecting. I was connecting through this Comrex unit I had from my Sirius XM days. Mm. And I don't think it became like so video intensive for everybody until like COVID. But it became so like YouTube, TikTok, you know, reels, videos. Um, it was such an audio medium before that. You guys were one of the first real video guys because you guys would do it, you know, obviously in that studio there. So you guys and Damashek and, you know, the NFL.com podcast, you guys were kind of the first ones to really be on the front end of the video stuff, which I think probably really helped you. Yeah, I think one of three of the scariest words uh, in our business is pivot to video uh, because everyone's telling you to do it. And, you know, going back several years now, but everybody was saying you have to do it. But then that created, you know, issues at times because there would be shows that I would listen to that would all of a sudden be playing more to video. And then you're kind of forgetting about why people are interested in what you do in the first place. And that's like one of the guiding principles of ATN has always been like, it's always about the podcast first and things like video or outside ideas or incorporating, uh, you know, our NFL network show, uh, finding things to do with that program. Nothing can hurt the podcast itself because really I think that's for us anyway, what it always goes back to. And if video could supplement it and people enjoy watching that on YouTube or whatever, that's cool. Uh, We're lucky too. you know, we work for the NFL, so we have a great team behind us that that ramps up all that video stuff and our social side of things uh none of us the three of us are great businessmen uh we just like talking football uh so we do need the help and we get it so we're very fortunate in that way it's awesome um almost as awesome as your urgency meter i love it um (laughs) and i thought it was great by the way 
that you had uh, the Buffalo Bills number one. So I'll let you intro the urgency meter, but it's essentially what people would think, right? It's like the teams that um, have the greatest sense of urgency for whatever combination of reasons coming into the season, right? Yeah, I mean, all teams on some level, unless you're the Arizona Cardinals, um, are looking at the upcoming season with some sense of urgency and the idea that you're trying to build a successful program um, and ideally play on the last Sunday of the year. But certain teams, it really does stand out that it feels like if something doesn't happen this year and it's different levels compared based on who you are. So like the Buffalo Bills is an example. I'm a big New York Yankees fan. And um, I've read, you know, const- uh, so many books from the about the 90s dynasty, early 2000s dynasty. And there's this thing called the Steinbrenner Doctrine, Ross, which was George Steinbrenner, the former owner, said anything less than a world championship is considered failure. And that that permeated everything that organization did. And it was a high level bar uh, for success that led to a lot of pressure. And some guys could handle it. Some guys g- couldn't. And I'm thinking that's where. Buffalo is right now because they've been knocking on the door for four years and they get turned away every time. And, and and as heartbreaking as the 13 seconds game was two seasons ago against Kansas city, you could kind of live with it in the big picture because you knew you were right there. And in some ways you should have won that game. And it felt like the bills really could have been super bowl 56 champions if things fell a different way. And then last year happens and they're expected to win it. And then they get kind of their butts, handed to them at home in the snow by the Bengals and and you're wondering are is this window slowly closing and then I think some of the Stefan Diggs drama that you know it's all a bit of a mystery to everybody where this is coming from I think a lot of that is about pressure and cracks in the foundation that cre- that pressure and this urgency uh can create so that's why I had them and this is all very scientific Ross Tucker as a 10.0 as scientific as football writing could get in June uh Ross 10.0, perfect score, tons of urgency for the Buffalo Bills this year to finally get over that hump. You know, it's so funny, Dan, because I talked about this on Monday's show. They they had their head coach, Sean McDermott, under contract for three more years through the 2025 season, and they just extended them for two more years. And I'm, like, flabbergasted by that. Now, you know, truth be told, right, like, I played for five teams – my favorite team I played for was the Bills. I played the most there. I made the most money. I love the people up there. Um, I'm kind of a Bills fan, right? Like, I worked for mm-hmm. the Eagles, but the team I had the greatest affinity for as a player was the Bills. Those are the two teams that, you know, I kind of like when they do well. And uh, Bills fans are all mad at me because, number one, I had Sean McDermott ranked lower on the head coach rankings than they thought he should be. And then number two, I just don't understand the contract. Like, I don't get everything you just said about the urgency meter. I totally agree. And what I find really interesting is that, like, if if the Buffalo Bills were the New York Bills or the Philadelphia Bills, the entire conversation around McDermott would be, hey, this is probably his last year to try to get these guys over the hump with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Otherwise, they're going to have to bring somebody else in who can just because of, I mean, they've only even been to one AFC championship game with Josh Allen starting for five years, you know? Um, But it's because, I don't know if it's because it's Buffalo, which is kind of like the Midwest. And I will say this, the people there are wonderful. They're like the nicest people in the world, but it's like, 
on some level, Dan, they're they're just and also because they had those seventeen year playoff drought, they're just much more like forgiving. Like they, a lot of them don't look at it as a make or break year. They're they're happy that the Bills are winning and in the playoffs every year, and in their mind, hey, get to the playoffs every year, and one of these years it'll happen, and they wouldn't have the urgency rating at a ten point yeah, it's really interesting because I, that's one thing that has not crossed my mind. If if anything, I think this I, this McDermott branded Bean team have been kind of fantastically successful in terms of building this contender. And now, yeah, it's about getting over the hump. And you make a good point. You know, they haven't got to the AFC title game yet. But I kind of I, I put that more. You know, when I think about what went wrong last year, and it just felt like. Everything was really going on the right path until last year. But even then, you know, what they win? 13 games. Um, they they were set up again. Uh, and I wonder the Brian Dayball exit, you know, how much did that really uh, undermine this team? And, you know, they're, they're now going to go into a second year um, post-Dayball. And, and I think, yeah, if, if they go backwards offensively, and I, I, would, I don't know, would you say they went backwards offensively? And certainly in uh, many metrics uh, they did. Um, if that continued to go in that direction, I would think it's the offensive coordinator who would be in more danger uh, and, and deservedly so. I think in general, McDermott seems to be very respected uh, both inside and outside that building. So I don't I don't see it as a McDermott thing, but that kind of plays again into what I was writing about, which is if it doesn't happen this year, yeah, it's then it's time to look inward and ask some really hard questions. Why isn't this getting to where we expected it to to be? Um, so they got to win. This is a big year for that organization. Speaking of Buffalo, you know, what's made in Buffalo Labatt blue light, absolutely delicious. Take things to the next level. Look, it's 4th of July weekend coming up. Drink some Labatt blue lights with your friends. Live life to the power of we always enjoy responsibly. Of course, beer Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right. So Dan, your second team. And the urgency meter is your New York Jets. And I want to start, Dan. I love when I have someone on here that's like passionate about their team. Blank slate, your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers trade. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was uh, that that alone, its own subcategory of uh, urgency uh, for a fan base that has struggled for the last dozen years with not just like a, a playoff drought, but a lot of embarrassment along the way and a lot of just dreadful football. And the Zach Wilson draft decision was a debacle. The, the guy just, it wasn't going to work. And you could look back hindsight 2020 and, and look at when the draft happened in the COVID year and the, and the schedule of teams that Wilson played in the school he played for and just his general vibe. And it seems so obvious now that that was a terrible move. Uh, at number two overall, but you know, you never know. There was also a lot of people saying that he had uh, the type of game that, that could recall some hall of famers of recent years. So it didn't work out. Joe Douglas is highly fortunate uh, to survive uh, such a mistake. And I think the only way that he was able to was this, this set of circumstances opened up where Aaron Rodgers Rodgers was available. And I give the, I give the organization credit because the jets don't always get things right um, for, sensing the opportunity, seeing that the roster was otherwise ready to go, and then making a series of moves that all that worked, that, you know, starting with 
um, you know, keeping Robert Sala, keeping Joe Douglas, um, hiring Paul Hackett, um, who Nathaniel Hackett, excuse me, who has the great relationship with Aaron Rodgers, uh, the way they handled the, you know, the dance with Rodgers, not pushing him too hard, flying out there, getting his trust, and then handling that delicate trade with Green Bay, uh, which was not easy. And I saw there was, you know, a lot of talk about, oh, the Jets gave up too much. It's like, it was always going to hurt. They were always going to have to give up a lot. But if that guy has them playing in the divisional playoffs this year with a chance to get back to the AFC title game, there isn't a single person inside or outside uh, that building that won't say that was a brilliant trade. So there's so much hope and op- optimism for the fan, the fan base. But in that locker room, you listen to some of these comments coming from this team. And I know it's always sunny in springtime, Ross, in the NFL, but this team believes and is so excited because they think they can win it all. And just like to see the Jets go from where they were last year with Wilson to where they are heading into training camp, it, you know, it's kind of a pinch yourself situation. All right. So here's the question. Because what I like about you, Dan, is you're like also a reasonable Jets fan. I try so to be. I've heard from multiple people, it sounds like he's going to play two years, right? It sounds like he's going to play two years. But, you know, when the trade first went down, my reaction was, because he had said he was going to retire 90%, which I don't believe at all, but whatever. 90% retired. I knew he was never giving up $60 million fully guaranteed this year. Like, that was never going to happen, right? So, um my thing was that is a lot to give up for one year of a guy to pay him $60 million fully guaranteed for one season. So let's hope he plays two because then it's a better trade for the Jets. But maybe he only he only does play one. What what are they where how far do they need to go, Dan, for you to think it was worth it? Because I know why Salah and Douglas did it. They're gonna make the playoffs, and Salah and Douglas will get contract extensions. And that's what they wanted out of it. And more power to them. I would have done the same thing. Who cares about next year's draft picks if you're, if you're not the GM anymore, the head coach anymore? But as a fan, Dan, what do the Jets need to accomplish this year for you to say it was worth it? Is it just getting the playoffs? Is it winning a playoff game? I mean, I'm assuming if they don't make the playoffs, this was a total failure and disaster. Yeah, <clears throat> that would be um, a brutal setback uh, for the team if they don't make the playoffs, which is – you know, that's the risk involved here because this is a very good conference and there's a lot of good teams. In the AFC East, there's a lot of good teams. Uh, Bill Barnwell for ESPN, a guy that I respect and knows his stuff, like is picking them to finish in last place. And while I understand there's some clickbait in there, it's also you could you could squint and you it could make sense why you could see these other teams finishing ahead of the Jets. I think, I guess I earlier circled divisional round playoffs as a, a, a goal. Like if the Jets are playing in that game, that's telling me that they've probably won a playoff game. Obviously, they won the the ten or so games, ten plus games to get to to the dance in the first place. I think you have to be not just some you know one and done playoff entrant. You have to be a team that has a, a big regular season, and then when it gets into that nitty gritty, the best uh, football uh, weekend of the year, uh, and we're figuring out who's in the final four of the NFL. I think the Jets need to be in the mix for this to be something that worked, and. I, and again, to the credit of ownership, which hasn't always been uh, ship shape uh, since 2000, I think if they would have pushed Rodgers and said, we're not doing this with you unless you give us those two years guaranteed, I could have sen- seen him potentially walking away. I think they're, they had to massage the, the, the personality of the player. And I think the Jets 
believe this is a two-year deal as well, Ross, but nobody can like force Rodgers to do anything. Uh, so they're just hoping that's how it plays out. Otherwise, yeah, the compensation and pay it does seem a little wild. Um, but yeah, get me to the divisional round playoffs, and then we'll see what could happen. I think that's fair. I really do. I think Super Bowl or Conference Championship, that's asking a lot. I think playoffs is probably the minimum. I think divisional round that like that that makes sense to me. Last question, Dan. Um, evidently, I've seen multiple reports now that the the Jets sort of think they're going to be forced to do hard knocks, even hmm. though they don't want to do it. That's like the latest report. Curious about you as a fan who's also in the media. Your team clearly doesn't want to do it, but like as a fan. Don't you kind of want to be able to watch Jets hard knocks and like see behind the scenes stuff of Aaron Rodgers and Salah? Like, where are you at with this? Yeah, I, hard knocks is my thing. I I wrote hard knocks recaps on the website for ten years. Colleen Wolf and I, uh, because you must do a podcast on everything, Ross Tucker, uh, did our hard knocks podcast on the Lions last year and had a lot of fun doing it uh, because that was a, a great team for that show. So yeah, and. And yeah, biases aside, the Jets hard knock season of 2010 with Rex Ryan was great theater for anybody uh, that loves football and wants to see what it's like behind the scenes for a true contender. So you put all the personalities on this Jets team. It's the perfect match, but it kind of does break my heart because I think that hard knocks is the greatest show about um, professional football that's ever existed. And yet this like this constant push and pull now even like the rule itself, which we've heard constantly now in any write-up about what's going on with hard knocks. You know, it has to be a team that uh, hasn't hired a head coach this year. They've had to make the, make the playoffs in the last two years. They have to have not been on hard knocks in the last 10 years. But if you're on that list, you can be picked against your will. It's like, what are we doing here? As much as I love hard knocks, if the teams don't want to do it, like there, you have to have some hard questions about what what is the future of the show so while i would like every season of hard knocks uh tune in um, and watch every second of every episode it is a little bit of a bummer that uh the jets clearly don't want to do it or at least from what i have heard that maybe higher up the jets want to do it but more at the ground floor level they don't want anything to do with it but you know how that typically Uh, ends up working out so I'll be watching I think I read Mike Florio who's been doing some reporting on this the last week or so at PFT PFT had noted uh, that there could be something good entertainment value to a team not wanting to be on the show and being forcibly uh, on video camera at all times Uh, I guess we're gonna find out because it seems inevitable at this point check him out on social media at Dan Hanzus H-A-N-Z-U-S and, of course, the Around the NFL podcast. Dan, thank you so much. Thanks, Ross. I'm a blast. Love that conversation with Dan Hanzus. I like talking with guys that are knowledgeable but also fans of a specific team like that, especially a team in the news like the Jets. I'm also loving Babbel. Do you guys know about Babbel? It is by far the best way to learn a second language or a third language. been working on it the last few weeks, actually, with my daughters because – We're going away next week to a Spanish-speaking country. Parts unknown. I'll tell you when I get back. But at any rate, they have these 10-minute lessons perfect for my daughters and me. By the way, my daughter's way better at it than I am. 
way better at it. I, I think the earlier you are, the younger you are, the better it is. Huge fan of Babel's speech recognition technology because it helps you actually with your pronunciation, your accent. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for you guys, our listeners, at babbel.com slash Ross. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash Ross, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Ross. Rules and restrictions may apply. Tuck Stakes. All right, Ross, we'll start with some terrible news. Former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallon drowned at age 35 in Florida. Awful. Uh, Don't have all the details. Obviously, way, way, way too young. And um, anytime someone dies in that manner, that age, just awful. I've talked to Ryan a couple times before games. Terrible. The NFL does a new deal to allow DirecTV to show NFL Network and NFL Red Zone. Well, they don't have Sunday Ticket anymore because Sunday Ticket's now with YouTube. So I guess to kind of make up for that, now they've got um, NFL Network, but they also have Red Zone. No longer the Andrew Siciliano Red Zone, the Scott Hansen Red Zone. NFLPA Executive Director vote is imminent, unless it's not. So this kind of affects me a little bit as a former player member, and I don't really quite understand all of the secrecy. I guess... I'll see what happens as it plays out, but it seems like a weird process so far. Dolphins Chiefs tickets in Germany sold out in 15 minutes. I think I saw where some people were like 1.2 million in line to get tickets. Like, I don't know if you saw that, Jack. Wow. Um, I knew the NFL was popular in Germany. I didn't know it was that popular. I would absolutely love to go to Germany and call one of those games at some point. I picture it being incredible absolutely incredible speaking of incredible we're done with today's show already make sure you check out today's fantasy feast podcast we're going to talk about all of the nfc ota mini camp notes that you need to know for fantasy football other than that i think we're done here thanks for listening to the ross tucker football podcast make sure to also subscribe to the fantasy feast even money business of sports and college draft all available at apple podcasts rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found always like to give some shout outs how about pizza boy brewing they actually answered the question that Kerry collins had about why the pizza is so and stromboli is so good up here sporticulture humanheadnyc.com SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, BackOfficeSchedule.com, and of course, the best gift I'm aware of, if you really care about somebody, something that a loved one can have forever, a keepsake, it's MyFrontPageStory.com.